Welcome to the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Today, we are going to discuss childhood obesity because it's Childhood Obesity Week. And to do that, I have none other than my favorite plant-based dietitian, Addie delaney Minerich. Welcome, Addie. Hello, everyone. It's been a minute. Happy yeah. to be here. Yes. Yeah, you probably thought, people probably thought I fired you or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're still here trucking along. Trucking along. So, you know, this is a, this is a difficult subject. Um, it is. Because, you know, um, we're all very worried that when you start looking at children's weight and trying to change things and, of course, fighting over a meal time. Um, maybe to be more healthy, that you could, you know, be initiating some um, insecurities with food or uh, pressure around food or the, you know, the fear of, you know, food shaming, so to speak, or hiding with food and our relationships with food is very, very difficult. Um, and, you know, it's easy to go down the road of rewarding with um, sweet sugary desserts are rewarding, making somebody happy if they're sad. And we can, de we can develop all kinds of bad patterns uh, as parents early on that we try to correct. And, you know, we're all parents. There's no manual. We're learning on the job all the time. So it's not necessarily easy. And society doesn't make it any easier because if you go back into the 50s and 60s, there weren't kids meals. If you went out to dinner with your child, everybody ordered off the menu. There weren't kids, you know, there wasn't the nuggets and the mac and cheese and the hot dogs and all that kind of stuff. And then now when you go out, you know, every fast food restaurant has a kid's, a kid's version of what they think is, you know, a, a kid's meal and in the grocery store, um, fast foods. And with today's society, people start, you know, grabbing for nobody wants to fight over mealtime. And uh, a lot of times, you know, it starts from the get-go. I've watched you and Nathan with Caleb. And it's always, you know, when you introduce foods, you know, it was whole foods. And it was foods that were from the table from the get-go. Um, but a lot of people, you know, if they use jars or pouches, and then it's just transfused. It's just a continuous um you know, um, package type product. And we know from Patrick McGowan, even, and we can talk a little bit about this later, that kids that don't use their jaw from an early age, when they start to chew, actually don't develop good jaw, not only jaw mechanics, but jaw dimensions. And it can lead to their teeth not fitting right. We have a much more um, higher need for braces than, you know, 30s and 40s. Uh, because kids aren't chewing, and so they aren't they aren't developing their jaw. So we're going to dive into this um, as as good as we can, and maybe give some suggestions. And I think uh, you know uh, maybe some examples for things you can do and meals you can do. And but let's first of all let's go ahead and define obesity in a child because it's different than from an adult. So help me out. Well, and what I think I'd like to see too is. Um, our children are not immune to what adults are suffering through themselves. So we're seeing our adult populations get 
sicker and sicker and obesity just continuing to be on the rise. And I do feel that children have been neglected in thinking that, oh, it just happens when you get older. You know, we see a lot of that within our practice too. Oh, you just get hypertension when you cross over, you know, the 50 year mark or things just happen to you. And so, but our food system has trickled down and has started to affect our children. And uh, they have kind of been left alone in terms of who we're proactive with health with. You know, you, you see um, commercials for, you know, promoting weight loss or things like that. And I'm not saying these products are good for adults, but no one really talks about, hey, here's a healthier option for kids. No one discusses that. The, the commercials, the way things are presented in grocery stores is just um, as bad, if not worse, in terms of marketing these really unhealthy foods to kids. They're brightly colored boxes. They have their favorite cartoon characters on them. Um, they're hyper-sweetened with high-fructose corn syrup. Um, you know, we're going to kind of get into all of that. But And so it, not only does it make it hard for parents to get their kids to have healthy choices, it makes it hard for the kids to make those healthy choices because these foods are addictive that they're being exposed to just like their parents are. So our kids, I think the take-home message for today, I hope that is that all of these things that I'd like to discuss on what's good for your kids are also good for you, and they watch every move you make. I have a very talkative two-year-old, and we repeat everything. <laughs> and, and so I will tell you, we are in the thick of the mocking phase right now. And so, you know, whether you have your own kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, um, whatnot, any um, positive aspect of food. And that's what I want today to be super positive um, because these stats that we're going to go into are super negative and food should be positive for them. So when you look at how obesity is defined for adults, um, it's based off of your BMI or your body mass index. So that is your weight to height ratio, um, which can be calculated very easily with online tools or um, at your uh, doctor's visits, typically going to be calculated there. And it's not dependent on your gender or your age. Kids are a little different because it's on um, a percentile. So, you know, you hear people with their kids hit a certain percentile for height or a certain percentile for weight with their local checkup, and we're all very excited about that. Um, but there's another factor there where you actually take your weight to height ratio for a child and then look at the percentile. So it's comparison to others within their same gender and year. So if you go to your 12 month checkup with your daughter, she's going to be compared with her BMI percentile to other um, 12 month old girls that year. Um, for boys, obviously same thing. Um, so you can have a very tall, child who is on the lower um, and weight-wise come out at a lower percentile for the year um, and not necessarily be an, an unhealthy kid. It's also in comparison to their age that specific year. So we're seeing um, you know, those trends of obesity creep in more and more into our kids. And so taking a look at that total percentile is really important, not just the weight not just the height, but that BMI um, ratio percentile because they're a little bit different. So like, for example, we calculated Caleb's percentile, or excuse me, his BMI was in the 16 range. Don't look at that as the adult 
chart because that would put him as underweight. You look then at his BMI percentile and it's within the 57th percentile, which is within a normal weight. Um, so that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, you know, if you're, if your doctor doesn't already calculate that for you and you're calculating it for yourself. And just to reiterate percentile. So if he's in the 57th percentile, that means 50% of the children are, um, it's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Right. So he's either, he's 50% larger than half, but also 50% smaller than right. half. Right. So <laughs> it, if he were in the 80th percentile, 80% of the kids would have been smaller than he, than, than right. And you, and you have to look at that ratio too, because then if you just pull out um, for, and I'm just using my kiddo as an example, you know, if you pull out his weight alone, He's within the 89th percentile. So if you just look at that and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, but you have to pull that height in because you may have a heavier kid, but you also may have a taller kid. I, I have a string bean. Um, so <laughs> a string bean with a belly. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so you have to take a look at that. Um, but then he's always waiting his feet. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. We have blocks for feet. Shoes are, are a struggle. Um but so now taking that into consideration, okay, you, you, you get that for your own child. Um, but what's unfortunate is so um, the CDC between the years 2017 um, to 2020 came out with, um, so um, adolescents aged 2 to 19, 19.7% of those in our country were classified as obese. That's not overweight. That's full-blown obesity. Um, with, if break it down further, that's one in five kids. So it's very, very common if you look at, you know, what the standard class size is for your child, you know, how many kids in there. And when you, we, we've talked about this in the past, if you just compare, if an adult who is overweight, com overweight compares themselves to those around you, if, um, you know, upwards of 47% of our adult population is obese, they may find themselves to be on the thinner side because they may not be obese, but they're comparing themselves to other unhealthy kids. So if this is this prevalent within your, your child's social settings, um, you really need to get back to the numbers and talk with your, your pediatrician about that because we can't compare how people look. We got to get back to the numbers here because unfortunately, the, the view that we see of our country and the population is quite unhealthy. Um, and I think that gets lost a little bit in translation just because this has become so prevalent. Um, but if you break it down further, it's affecting our, our babies. So, I mean, I have a two-year-old. He's still my baby. Two to five-year-olds, 12.7%. Six to 11-year-olds, 20.7%. 12 to 19-year-olds, 22.2%. So, obviously, as these children are eating more quote unquote, real food. I use that term very loosely. Um, it's increasing. So as we see their age is increasing and they're introduced to these whole foods, you know, real foods beyond the baby foods, beyond the, bre beyond the breast milk, um, we're also seeing, or, or formula, we're seeing these trends of obesity increase. And then obviously it's increasing as they age with the amount of adults that are now obese. Um, we're seeing a heightened risk um, with this for chronic lifestyle diseases that are starting in our kids, heart disease, um, plaques, 
We're seeing fatty streaks within arteries already, diabetes, um, type two, not type one. We're seeing that pop through more, um, you know, looking also at early puberty. We're also looking at the psychological health. So we know that decreased activity and increased weight, we're also seeing more depression, things like that. Um, with the type of nutrition we're giving our kids can be directly linked to things like ADD and ADHD um, and, and their ability to learn. And so I'll talk a little bit later too on activity and how that promotes that. Um, but the key thing is here, okay, this is happening. How do you reverse it? And so the biggest thing I want to say too is with um, a dietary approach to childhood obesity or a childhood who is overweight is not to diet them. You don't want to be restrictive within calories because they are still growing and developing. Rather, you are switching the emphasis on their food. So you start to introduce healthier foods. You start to introduce more fiber to them. You help them have a positive relationship because it's a very slippery slope when you have a childhood who is obese or overweight and you focus on that. So the focus should always be very positive. Um, and more often than not, if a child is struggling with that, someone else in the family probably is as well. And so you all looking to make it very positive is going to help everyone. Um, and so that, that I want that to be a full disclaimer right off the get-go. If you know someone, it should not be weight loss for children. That is not the goal because they are growing. So if you just naturally uh, improve their nutrition, they should actually grow out of it. Um, if you start to practice some healthy habits and, and that's kind of the beauty of it, but you have to kind of tackle it head on. Right. That's a, a, a lot of good information. And, you know, and just to throw a little bit on the side and we get back to it, but when you talk about the gut and the brain and the development, we know kids that are on the spectrum, uh, whether ADHD or even autistic, uh, they, you know, uh, behavior is strongly associated with what people eat um, because of the gut microbes and the inflammation involved. So inflammation in the gut leads to inflammation in the brain. Learning, um, you know, it's been shown that kids that eat an unhealthy diet um, also have lower IQ. And of course, when we start to look at these unhealthy processed foods, you know, the biggest thing right up, right up the get-go is looking at the glyphosate. So the Roundup in the foods. So if you look at the whole aisle, the whole cereal aisle with all those boxes, the majority of them are genetically modified grains. And even some of the ones that weren't genetically modified were, were sprayed with glyphosate. And then like you say, they have high fructose corn syrup and the corn is going to be, you know, um, exposed to Roundup. So, you know, not only do these kids suffer from poor nutrition, but they're also chemically challenged with some of these toxins that affect their microbes that ultimately feedback and, you know, and trigger hunger patterns. Um, so it becomes a, a vicious cycle for the kids. And again, it is not fair. You turn on the TV, you get marketed, you to go down the aisles, it's marketed to kids. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all over the place and it, and it's really, uh, very difficult to, you know, to, to get around it and not be tremendously restrictive. Um, you know, and, and, or, or punishing, you know, we don't want to punish kids for basically our mistakes or our, you know, uh, overlooking what we've done, um, you know, because 
again, a lot of people just assume that the government or FDA or, you know, the RDA would not allow these foods for kids if they weren't somewhat healthy. Kids meals should be healthy. Somebody should be looking. But the reality of it is it's all marketing and, and they're not, they're anything but they're, they're addicting uh, to these kids with low fiber and everything else. And on the topic of fiber, you know, that's one of the biggest things. It's what I focus on with our adult members. Um, and it is what I would have you take a look at with your children. Um, so I have a friend who has kids about the same age and her son um, was a little bit off in digestion and she asked the pediatrician about it. It was not our pediatrician, thank goodness. Um, and they said, oh, honey, don't worry about it. Uh, I have kids that only poop once a week. If that's our standard, ladies and gents, there's a big problem here. Um, and so your child should have healthy bowel movements daily, just like an adult. Um, children being constipated is far too common of a problem. And it's not because they're kids. It's because of what we are feeding them. When it comes to your gut, you are what you eat. And so when we take a look at um, in 2013, it was estimated that nine out of 10 kids did not meet their fiber needs for the day. That's easy math, 90% of children. Um, when we look at, you know, what your goal is, one to three-year-olds, um, and this was taken from Cleveland Clinic, um, it's a goal of 19 grams per day. Four to eight-year-olds, 25 grams per day. Nine to 13-year-olds, um, about 30 grams per day. And that wiggles around between boys and girls. And then 14 to 19-year-olds, um, 26 to 38 grams a day. The average adult only gets 10 to 15 grams a day. That's not what they're recommended. That's what we're, how we're doing as the adults, as the um, example setters. So if you can imagine if a, 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 you know, a parent, um, you know, guardian in a household is only getting 10 to 15 grams per day and they're consuming more calories than their child is, their child's probably getting at half of that. Um, and so, you know, taking a look at, you know, where do you get fiber from? You know, we're, we're, we're going to be a little biased here. We're plant-based, um, you know, health and wellness podcast here. Um, but you only get it from plants. So it's not your fiber supplements. Um, it's not your Miralax that you take when you need things to get moving around. It's plants. So it's your, your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, your beans, your legumes. It's only from plants. These ultra processed foods are awful when it comes to they take up space in your child's stomach they carry around like we said the glyphosates they're high in sodium high in fat they are so processed they have hardly any fiber at all so um you know and it is hard you know with picky eaters once they're exposed to these foods and it starts within you know within the womb you know, you, you develop that gut microbiome from your mom and then it changes as you get exposed to your environment here um, on the outside. And so, um, you know, you have to be mindful of that too. You're, you're exposing them to what their cravings are based off of their intake and these ultra processed foods are just wreaking havoc on us. And that's all that kids' foods are. Um, there are very few food items marketed to children that are not ultra processed. Um, unfortunately. So the, the healthy foods aren't really pushed to them. Um, 
you know, you go to Chick-fil-A or, you know, another fast food restaurant, the, the kids meals are exponentially higher in sodium than what their daily allotment should be. Um, they are very high in fat and they are very low in fiber. So just because they say they give you a vitamin D enriched milk on the side does and a little cutie orange does not make it a healthy meal. And I think that is unfortunately the message being marketed to people. And it's not to knock on parents because most parents don't even know this for themselves. Um, but you, you can't, if we have learned anything, hopefully the past few years, you can't rely on the government and the FDA to look out for your health and wellness. Hopefully I'm not stepping on too many toes by saying that. So don't expect them to raise your children right either. It, you know, it, exactly. You know, and I, I just was doing, you know, mental, little mental quick math. But if you look at a bowl of cereal uh, and a half of banana, you might get a gram and a half of fiber. If you look at a happy meal that you get a maybe a gram of fiber out of the bun, um, you know, maybe a gram of fiber out of the processed French fries. Like you say, there might be a cutie orange. You get two grams of fiber. Go to dinner, chicken nuggets, no fiber. Um, you go to, you know, they might eat some corn. You get a gram of fiber there. Applesauce, you might get a gram of fiber there. So you're still less than less than ten grams of fiber, and and you know we we just don't realize that. The other thing is, you know, if we start from the beginning, you know, I remember when you were little, you know, you went when we introduced foods, people talked about jarred baby foods, you know, and eating off the table versus baby foods. But if you look at baby foods, you know, you, the kind of the old, old school was pick one of all the colors, you know? So if it had all the different colors, you thought you were getting a pretty balanced meal of fruit, a vegetable, a meat type of deal. Now there's pouches. And of course we rely on these companies, Gerber, you know, Gerber baby, that's supposed to be the best, you know, Johnson and Johnson Gerber. These are companies that we thought were really really had families and kids in mind, but these pouches have been associated with heavy metal contamination, glyphosate contaminated, um, you know, food in them as well, oats, you know, and, and, and contaminated. And so kids, you know, are found that they're having way higher levels in some of these heavy metals, arsenic, uh, lead than, than they ever did. Um, you know, some people feel like they're doing a good job if they make a tuna salad. Well, tuna has, you know, a can of tuna has more mercury, then a pregnant woman should have, you know, one can uh, for their whole pregnancy, so, so to speak, for the mercury. So, you know, most of the foods are contaminated as well as being chemically laden. Um, and, and so that that becomes very difficult. And again, the taste for these things, um, you know, I alluded last week to the Lucky Charms, the, the marshmallow pouches. You know, we, it, and, and the reality of it is if a kid gets enough calories, they're going to survive but they're not going to thrive. So there's more infections, more colds, uh, more, you know, tonsil aches, uh, tonsil, tonsillitis, uh, ear and ear infections, besides constipation, belly aches, appendectomies, you know, kids shouldn't have any, they don't need to have any of these problems. We just assume that it's normal, but they don't need to have these problems. No. And it's funny. Um, you know, I get bombarded with this week, it's been vitamin ads on social media for me, for kids. And we do a multivitamin, not really every day, kind of when I maybe remember. <laughs> and it's more to cover the picky days. It's to cover your bases. And that's how I was just explaining to a friend too, who's pregnant. You know, your prenatal in that stage is not your sole source of nutrition. It's really kind of just to cover your bases when eating might be off. Um, but 
all of these new um, vitamin ads that I've been getting all talk about, oh, we're not made with high fructose corn syrup or, oh, we're not made with sugar and things like that. But we're not addressing the fact that your vitamin might not have those things, but the rest of your kids intake throughout the day does. And it's like, okay, cool. So they're getting this, this healthy little vitamin, but then they're going and eating high fructose corn syrup, red dye, um, you know, cholesterol ridden foods and high sodium the rest of the day. I mean, the average child ages two to 19 eats 30 or excuse me, 3,100 milligrams of sodium a day. That's the average. One to three should be less than 1,500. Um, and, and over that about 2,000 or less. So uh, it's absurd, absurd the amount of sodium, um, among other things in these foods. So all of this sounds super negative. Um, but I would like to spin it on, you know, what's good for you is good for your children. And I want to talk a little bit about the macronutrient changes Um, healthy fats because i think that's really important this healthy fat is often a misnomer but in kids it is important right so children as i mentioned earlier are growing um they are still developing their brains are developing so their needs are slightly different than ours so they you know we promote a lower fat intake for adults um, we are not growing anymore. Our caloric needs are not very high compared to um, our activity levels. And so um, we need more of a carbohydrate focus, some protein, some fat. Kids, on the other hand, they're almost equal between um, their carbohydrate needs are still a little bit higher than fat, but they anywhere from 30 to 40% of their intake should come from fat sources. Um, that doesn't mean added fat. It just means total fat throughout the day. Um, about 45 to 65%. And this is for one to three-year-olds. So it, it shifts as they grow, but it's pretty similar. Around 30 to 40% of calories should be from fat sources. Um, and then protein um, changes as they age as well. And it gets higher through their adolescent years. Um, and, it, and it's on the higher end there, um, you know, for a one to three year old right now, I'm currently trying to hit around 13 grams. But I will tell you, if your kid's getting enough intake in uh, of calories, they're most likely getting plenty of the protein. Um, and, you know, we obviously do not supplement um, his protein. It's from whole food sources. Um, but healthy fats. So this does not mean, um, you know, the, the grease that, you know, chicken nuggets are, are deep fried in. Um you know, and, and we're looking for, they still, we want to have an anti-inflammatory focus. So when we've talked prior to on the podcast, you know, omega-6 fatty acids and omega-3 fatty acids, both essential, you want more omega-3s as they are anti-inflammatory than omega-6s as an adult. Same thing with kids. Um, so, you know, healthy fats, your chia seeds, your flax seeds, your, they can do a little bit more in the way of nuts and seeds, um, avocados, um, want to be cautious with what types of oil, if you have any within them are, but for the most part, you know, they can do more in the way of, you know, nuts and seeds, nut butters, things like that. You don't want to be going crazy with things like canola oil in your processed foods, right? So that's not going to be a healthy option. Um, but they are allowed more in the fat category because their needs are just simply different than ours are. 
you know, even things like, you know, tofu and, and beans, they do have some nice healthy fats in there as well. Um, so you're just kind of taking a look too on what their total intake is, not just the added fat there. Right. So a simple way to go about that. And I don't go around with a calculator throughout the day with Caleb. What I try to do and what I, I hope to talk about today is kind of just a visual checklist that you can look. So one thing you want to look at when you have a kid's meal or snack um, and more, I try to hit it more at meal times because it's typically one I can control it a little bit better is, okay, where's my healthy fat source? So for breakfast in the morning, um, it's usually chia seeds or flaxseed in his oatmeal. If we do a pancake, he might get a little almond butter on there um, or something like that. Um, if we do, um, you know, lunches and dinners are typically going to be more, I reach for more of like an avocado type of addition to his meals, or, um, I might do a little bit of like an olive oil or something like that, but very tiny amounts because they just don't need a tremendous amount. Um, and, and so typically going for more of those sources, um, our, my number one recommendation for milk for growing kids is a uh, fortified unsweetened soy milk. Um, so silk makes a great organic and you want to make sure it's organic option that has some nice healthy fats in it. So tofu has some nice healthy fats. We're doing tofu, we're doing beans, things like that. Um, you know, so, um, he's recently discovered olives, which he likes. So maybe we'll do a little bit of that on a pizza. Um, you know, so, um, it's a little bit more lenient on that side with them. And fat is not bad when eaten, you know, as the right type not ultra processed and within your needs as we tell adults. And it's the same thing for children. Um, so same thing. They just, their needs are just slightly higher than ours. Perfect. And, you know, again, a lot of the snack bars, um, the cookies for kids are multiple sources of seed oils plus palm oils and palm oils are very, well, the seed oils, the way they process them, it's, it's somewhat of a chemistry experiment with some benzenes and some other, you know, it's not just an oil prob problem and omega-6 problems, but it's how they were processed. Palm oil is obviously very bad for the environment, um, as well as being, a, a, you know, a difficult oil and inflammatory type oil. So seed oils in general, in excessive amounts in multiple places. So it's one thing to have oil as a kind of a whole food but when it's in, in a packaged product, you'll see two or three different kinds of seed oils and cookies and, you know, spread out in the label. So you, you do have to do a little label reading to see, you know, just how much fat uh, is in there. And, you know, just again, for calculation's sake, if you see three grams of fat on a label, total fat, that's three times nine is 27 calories. So out of a serving size, it's 27 out of, the, out of the calories of the serving size. So it's hundred calories and there's 27 calories from fat. That's 27% fat. Um, but I think more important for kids is, you know, looking at the sources. So again, a lot of canolas, um, palm oils, those, those kind of things are, are really cheap products that are inflammatory. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. And then the protein, that's always a question. Um, again, you just want to see those sources on your plate. And as long as you're seeing them and they're trying them, um, you know, and if kids plant-based obviously is how I, I'm going to discuss it, you know, soy milk being my number one option there, it is a great, great protein source for them. We also like tofu. Tofu is one of the best 
first foods you can actually give to a baby because they're super great for sensory development and playing with them. They like it just plain out of the fridge. You don't have to do anything with it. It's fun for them to play with. It also is meaning they're high. It has some omega-3s in it. Um, it is a good protein source all around. Beans, we're all into that. Mashing them, things like that. So you can do a lot of sensory play with your protein sources as well. Um, but as long as you're meeting your caloric needs, for the most part, you're going to also be needing, meeting your protein needs. You know, I do think as kids are earlier, it's not a bad idea to just do a quick calculation. Okay, what well, are my bare minimums here that I need to hit today? But I will tell you, um, more often than not, you're, you're definitely hitting them, especially if you have a good little eater um, that has a healthy appetite. Um, you know, looking at... Let me, let me just ask a question to, you know, um, just to kind of a few tips. Um, you know, I, I talked to somebody to, or I listened to a podcast actually today when they, they they decided to change their diet to vegan and the children were, had triplets that were eight years old. Um, and you know, to do some of these, you know, this can be overwhelming for the person that's preparing meals, let alone the fight that you might see at the dinner table. Um, so, you know, um, I think, I think kids have a, a sweet, it, we all have a sweet tooth, which is, you know, it, that, that, that can be, and you can get a lot of nutrition in with fruits. So if you, you know, I've heard Doug Graham talk that if you get enough fruit in a child and you're, and you're introducing some of the other things, don't worry so much. And I, I love that. So I just saw, um, one of a plant-based dietitian I follow in it. If you're looking for resources and a, um, and a good cookbook, um, I've recommended them before. I, I use their stuff. It's plant-based juniors on Instagram. They do have a lot of good information out there. Um, but um, she hit the nail on the head because, you know, people are always coming in like, oh, fruit is bad, right? We get it from adults. And then people are worried about what their kids. And it's like, no, fruit is packed with antioxidants and micronutrients and fiber, which we talked yeah. about, and hydration. And kids from a young age, they're actually born babies with... Um, they want sweet, their taste buds are more developed sweet wise. And it's actually a developmental thing. And it's to keep them, I read um, somewhere it was, and, and maybe I'm, I'm saying this incorrectly, but it's almost a protective mechanism that they don't want to swallow sour things. Um, and so as they age, they'll like more sour things. Like when I initially tried um, to give Caleb like, um, some maybe like a raspberry that wasn't as um, sweet yet, or even like the first time I tried to see if he wanted a pickle or something like that. He didn't like it. As he has aged, just within this year, he has started to like more and more bitter, sour foods. So their taste buds also changed. So if you are transitioning to eating more healthy foods, um, don't be discouraged. Try your best to take a deep breath and not get angry at mealtimes and let them explore. Food should be an exploration. And one thing I can say as a tip would be, if a food is new, don't make it the center of your meal. Put it a little amount on a plate, let them see it, let them literally touch it, um, you know, have them, you know, talk about, you know, the color of it, make it super simple. So if it's a food they've never been exposed to before, it's not this big, scary thing, because sometimes kids are fearful of new things. And so, you know, have it just be very inviting in that aspect. It's not that they have the entire plate of the forbidden broccoli. It's just maybe two florets on there that they just have to, you know, observe and test it and try it and see how they like it. 
and, and just be very vocal about the food. You know, I think that's another thing too, is we've lost somewhere along the line that food is our fuel. It's how we survive. It's not just get some calories in and go. There's a purpose to it. So I think kids pick up so much. So talking and educating yourself and educating your kids on the purpose of these foods, that also makes it more positive. And that's also going to make them more interested in trying. And I think that's huge too. But the biggest thing there is cooking at home because then you're in control of what you're putting on your kid's plate. You're in control of what you're putting on your plate. And that's not always just an easy light switch thing. And I totally understand that. You know, if you are a parent and you have three kids and they're in five different activities and you've been doing fast food their whole lives and all of a sudden you want to eat healthy, it's not going to be a light switch. And I think you've got to give yourself a little grace then, but take a look at the small steps you can make to slowly decrease these ultra processed foods within your home. And don't just put it at them, explain to them because it's also going to reinforce it for yourself. And I think it's a celebration, celebration of health, celebration of, you know, the, the positives, not, you know, like you say, you have to eat this broccoli type of thing. It's, you know, um, you know, talk, again, talking about it and what, you know, what it does and how you like it. I, you know, in our nutrition class over the years, you know, we have adults that make the face, you know, in air quotes. And if you're trying to change your diet and, you know, somebody in the room makes the face, especially an adult, then that is associated with, you know, that, you know, and, and have a couple of comebacks. And, and, you know, sometimes um, we have a friend, um, uh, Timory Hagenberger, a, a registered dietitian that we know, and she's, you know, she has a quote that um, I haven't had it prepared in a way I like it yet. So try different ways, you know, so some kids like things mushy, some things, kids like things crunchy. So you get to know your kids on how, how they like it, finger foods. Um, and it may even just be how it's cut up because Caleb, all the books say that I should be giving him big pieces of things that he can rip and chew, but homeboy really likes his food cut in tiny pieces and he will eat broccoli all day long that way shove it in his mouth if it's in a big florette he wants nothing to do with it so <laughs> they're all different they're all different and I think explaining that it's not just good for their nutrition it has actually been linked to also being good within their verbal skills as well so teaching them to describe things teaching them to connect with how they feel might sound fluffy, but it's real. Um, and so I think that all of that's really, really important to discuss. And it also gets you talking at the family table, which is another huge thing, um, because I think that's what's missing within our family nutrition as a whole, too, in this country. It's it's just grab and go. What can I grab and go? And it should be more important than that. Right. And get away from the kid's meal. Uh, I don't think, you know, when people talk to us, you know, it's difficult for somebody to say, it's typically the cook in the family, well, I want to cook healthier, I want to make healthier, but I have to cook six different meals for my family. It's like, no, you don't. You know, um, you can separate things out and introduce new things. But if a child or a spouse or somebody sees you eating something healthy, then it invokes curiosity. And so I don't think you should make special meals for anybody. I think they should have their special options obviously that they can tolerate. So, and then they, but I don't think that we should just be pulling out the kids lay menu 
or the kids healthy choice or the kids, you know, menu all the time, they should eat what the big people eat. And I think that's empowering to children as well. And have them involved in the discussion. So, you know, as soon as they are able, you know, I, I'm one of my top tips for everyone is write down your meals ahead of time for the week. We have a magnet that we actually sell at the office um, that goes in your refrigerator. You can get others elsewhere. Um, and we go and we write it down. If I don't do that and I am not perfect and some weeks I miss it, I am a frazzled mess throughout the week. So it is my number one choice. It also helps decrease um, food waste because you grocery shop accordingly. But have that be a routine within your week schedule. Get everybody involved. Hey, you know, you get to pick what we have on Monday or what do we want to have this week? Or what do we have last week that everyone liked that maybe we want to repeat? But get them involved. That helps them take ownership. Um, There's been so much correlation to like schools who have gardening within their, their curriculum, how kids really start to connect the, the vegetables and the healthy choices because they're involved. Same thing goes within the kitchen. Same thing goes within, you know, making that those family choices there too. Um, and, and they, their taste buds will evolve. You'll get to try new things. It may start super basic in the get go, but at least you're serving really healthy foods for your family. I also recommend leftovers. So if you are someone who's involved in a ton of activities, maybe cook large quantities a few days a week so that you can just grab leftovers the other days. Um, so this doesn't have to be super complicated and they don't have to be gourmet meals. Um, but I do believe, um, that planning ahead and cooking at home are going to be your two biggest, um, at, um, benefits that you can have. Um, you know, and just to talk a little bit about, you know, nutrients, because that's something that, you know, everyone's, you know, concerned about nutrients. So we've talked about macronutrients um, to talk about micronutrients, you know, the top two, um, you know, vitamins and minerals that are deficiencies in our country is iron and vitamin D. Most children are not plant-based and are drinking a ton of milk. So that should be another you know, flag raise that that's not working. Just giving kids milk every day is not working. So obviously they need sunshine time. They need vitamin D, maybe some fortification within foods, iron. Um, it's not a meat issue. It's a, where's our sources coming from. Um, and so plant-based, um, sources of iron are not to be feared, especially if eaten within a, with a vitamin C source, they can be, um, three to four times more absorbable. So, tomatoes salsa with your taco night with your beans um, as just dandy or berries on your oatmeal and with chia seeds in the morning is your iron absorption is just fine. Um, so uh, we look at a few nutrients when I'm creating his meals um, or our meals, I should say, because we pretty much all eat the same thing. Um, uh, omega-3s. So I want to make sure he's getting plenty of those in a day. Healthy fats. Um, I am looking at sources of calcium and iron, um, but most of those go within the same. So tofu, beans, whole grains, his, his, his milk that he gets now that he's not um, breastfeeding anymore. I do look at vitamin C um, because it is helpful with that absorption, but also for immune function um, and then fiber, you know, so where's that coming throughout the day? Um, and so, and, and have him also listen to his hunger, 
you know, we're not really there yet on the communication level in terms of like, I, I just have the want, <laughs> but you know, um, with kids start that early where it's like, okay, let's eat to our hunger. Let's finish. And once we feel full, we're done. And then you stop eating. Um, and I think when you get to higher fiber foods, it's also easier to tell when you've had enough to eat as well. And that helps the, the practice of not over consuming. Great. Great. And, um, you know, again, there's, um, you know, we're, we'll just finish up here, but, um, last but not least, as far as, uh, childhood obesity and obesity and everyone is how we move and how our muscles develop and, um, uh, you know, our, our energy usage. Yeah. And so, um, kids are recommended, um, to get an hour or more a day of exercise and activity. And that doesn't, you know, mean a Peloton, like, it means just go outside and be kids, you know? And so it's, it's what it's been linked to is yes, it, it helps promote a healthy weight because they're expending some of that energy. It's also um, been associated with boosting their thinking and their memory processes. Um, it's improved strength and endurance, obviously. If you're moving and grooving, you're getting the strength there. Um, improved bone health, which we know you have up until like your early to mid 20s to cap out on your bone density. And so want to be moving and doing those weight bearing activities in an early age, that's going to be linked to osteoporosis later in life. Um, also looking to um, decrease risk for depression, which I think is huge. So we talk a lot about mental health, but we don't talk about the foods that's contributing to our decline in mental health as a country, as well as our low activity levels. So taking recess and PE and gym out of schools and plopping in front of screens in the evening is not just a physical detriment, but it's also affecting our children's minds as well. And so get outside and move, make it a game. I've done circuits with some of our members who they could get their kids involved with. Um, we're doing a Christmas in July um, wellness challenge this month that I encouraged when we did it in December um, to get kids involved in because kids can exercise. That's a good thing for them, but also just activities. It helps them um, be a team player. It helps them learn that there's something bigger than themselves out there. Um, you know, even if you're the child that runs away from the soccer ball, maybe one day you'll like basketball. Um, if we need to talk about it, we can. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I think it develops confidence for them too because it is emotional um you know when these kids they're they are little uh, you know adults there they're people and so when they struggle with these weight issues they feel that and so we want our children to do better than us and currently they're set up to be have a declined health much much faster than they ever should and we are in charge um and, and this is not to shame parents whatsoever it's to wake them up um, you know, so wake up for yourself, wake up for your kids, wake up for your families. Um, it's not easy to make a change. It's not, but it's not a, it's supposed to be, um, but it'll be worth it. And so I think you just have to look at, okay, what's our goal here? We're not going to maybe get there tomorrow, um, but what this week can we do differently? Maybe let's tackle breakfast this week, um, or maybe let's, you know, try to cook at home four nights out of the week instead of only one. Um, and so just make those little changes. And I think over time you will benefit from it, um, but you will see your children 
well into their adult life benefit from it as well. The practices that they learn at home while you have control of them. And just to close it out from a mom's perspective, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, everybody wants to be the best mom mom. And, you know, it is um, somewhat, you know, you want to share in your, Uh, traditions. And, you know, when I look back at my grandmother's, um, you know, what my grandmother, you know, she was all, she made all kinds of sweets and pastries and things like that. Um, But I will say that although I do remember those wonderful desserts, I have one story to tell is when I broke my leg. And so I broke my leg when I was about eight years old. And I was actually staying with my one grandmother that was the country Irish cook. And she um, she felt very guilty that I broke my leg on her watch. My parents were on vacation. But nevertheless, my other grandmother that owned a bar and a store came to visit and she brought me a sack of candy, you know, so all this little penny candy type of stuff. But my other grandmother, her way of taking care of me was to make me my favorite green bean dish <laughs> that with green beans on you know our homemade bread that we you know we have carried that con- condition out or that tradition out in our family and i and i think that um kids remember that kids don't you don't have to you don't have to have soda pop and ice cream for your grandkids to like you or at least i'm hoping <laughs> but you know we'll like our traditions of you know frozen bananas and blueberries and soy milk and our making healthy foods together. Caleb makes yeah. food already. And those are the things. So we don't have to, as soon as our, you know, they can eat just like, okay, we're headed to McDonald's and happy meals, or we have to, you know, the donuts and all this other kind of stuff that doesn't have to, they, those are good memories, but they don't have to be those kinds of memories. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, as grandparents, we, we kind of get, you know, we don't want to make our kids. We have, we have, access to our grandkids, maybe in such a limited time that you want to give them everything to make them happy. You want them to be happy hundred percent of the time, but there are different ways to make them happy. And, and certainly everybody's going to be happier if they're healthy. So don't feel pressured to, you know, go buy all the junk food. I hear our, our patients say, our members say, well, my kids are coming in and I've got, you know, that's why I have all this junk food on my counter because my grandkids are coming to visit. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's do it. Let's have a new tradition. So I'll leave you with that. Uh, I think this was a great uh, talk, but um, Addie's not going to let me in right now because she has one more thing to say. She always does. <laughs> well, it is not me that wants to say something. It's our, our, our little one. Yes, come here. No. So I think, you know, that's it. And don't, you know, and you can make sweet treats, but make them healthier. You can make special occasion foods, but make them a little bit better and also make it come here so that it is not, you know, an everyday occurrence and that they're not connected in an emotional way, in a bad way. And who is that? Can you say hi, mom, mom? My little muscle man, who we are always outside and we're trying our best. And you're not always going to be the perfect mom or mom, mom or dad or anybody. It's just we want to just try to do our best every day. Right, Caleb? Hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Do you like tofu? 
And I need books. Oh, you need books? Do you like bananas? All right. Well, thank you, Mom Mom, for having us on the podcast. Okay, bye for now. Can you say bye bye? Bye bye, Mom Mom. <laughs> bye, Caleb. Love you. Say bye you. Bye you. Bye bye. Well, you know what the favorite part of the podcast was for me, right? <laughs> This is Mom Mom or Dr. Delaney. Um, I'd like to, you know, I think it was great. We do sell the magnets on our website. Uh, you can also email Addie at Addie, A-D-D-I-E, at drdelaney.com with questions. You can email me at Jamie, J-A-M-I, at drdelaney.com with questions. Um, check out our website, drdelaney.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. We put recipes up there every month. You can find out how the practice works. We'd love to help you. I'd also um, like to um, thank um, Steph Pelka, uh, who sent an email. Uh, I asked for some feedback about what you all like to hear on the podcast, uh, and Angela on Instagram and Laura on Instagram for uh, um, giving me some feedback. It was positive. That's always nice. So thank you for participating. Anybody else that would like to hear something special? Again, this was kind of directed towards younger people and kids, but, you know, um, sometimes uh, grandparents get in a lot of trouble um, with, you know, talks about nutrition with their children and grandchildren as well, and it can be a difficult subject. So feel free to share this podcast with your kids, nieces, and nephews so that, you know, sometimes hearing it from somebody else makes it not quite so... um, I don't know, um, controversial, so to speak, perhaps. So we'd like to help you help your family be the healthiest that they are. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, Caleb, for joining in. And uh, we'll speak with you soon. Thank you.